In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein. Your host, Tara Kennedy Klein, is out to dispel that myth of the perfect child and encourage parents to let them out of the box. Each child is unique, and this show is just the place to stand up and shout out that fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. So right now, join the queen of accountability who advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. Here is your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, Parent Nation, welcome to Stop Raising Einstein. I am your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. I am so thrilled to be here on this beautiful spring day. I live in Pennsylvania, so um, we have been really brutalized by Mother Nature recently. Um, I think she's going through menopause. It's my theory. I'm going with it. And, uh, you know, so it's been like a, a roller coaster of weather here recently, but today it's beautiful and I'm looking out my window at all the buds on the trees and just love this time of renewal and, and just this time of year is just my absolute favorite. And, uh, I'm really excited about our show today because we have a person, uh, my guest today is even though I've never like really met her, I, I don't really meet a lot of my guests, but um, I get to know them through our Facebook chats and talking to them online, talking to them on the phone and that sort of thing and reading their blogs and stuff. And my guest today is what I would consider a kindred spirit. Um, you know, we're both advocates for special needs kids. Um, we both have a passion for <clears throat> kind of letting kids out of the box and, and letting parents off the hook and really focusing on communication when it comes to the other part of our parenting family team, which is the schools and that sort of thing. She wrote a blog recently, um, 25 things that, um, special needs parents want their teachers to know about them. I don't know the, uh, the exact title. It's like 25 things parents of children with special needs want their kids' teachers to know. Um, and when I was reading through it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's absolutely what I believe too. Because, <laughs> you know, being the mom of a, a child on the autism spectrum, you know, you get you're kind of born with your purpose. And then I believe that things are put into your life to guide you toward that purpose. And, you know, I, I know that as a parent of a special needs kid, a lot of times we feel guilt and, and, you know, anger and all these emotions that go along with it. But my child, our children bring so much joy and learning and experience into our life that I wouldn't trade them for the world. And I know that he was absolutely given to me, to help me fulfill my purpose in life. So um, I'm really excited to talk with Adrienne today about her blog and her beliefs and her message. And she just has so much information to share. Before I get to her, I really, really have to, um, I have to express something that's been driving me absolutely insane the past two days. There was a thing in the news about a little boy in kindergarten, um, a five-year-old kid who, the, as the media has to, you know, over over-dramatize everything. They said that he was suspended for having a Mohawk in school. And 
My opinion is the kid wasn't suspended. He was sent home to do something about the distracting haircut that was against school policy. The parents chose to make a suspension out of it by keeping the kid home. That was their decision. But it wasn't the school's decision. It wasn't the school's intention to suspend this child, just as they would send my child home for wearing an obscenity on a T-shirt, which my kid would never do, um, or having a hole in his jeans bigger than the size of a quarter. The intention is go home, fix the problem, come back. It's not intended to be a suspension. Well, of course, you know, everybody has to have their five minutes of fame when they feel they've been wronged or shamed. So these parents called it a suspension and made a big deal out of it. So I put something up on Facebook about it the other day, and it blew up. Everybody was like, you know, there, there was one side of the spectrum saying, oh, he should be allowed his freedom of expression. And another side saying, you know, the rules are rules. Here's where I stand, folks. And, you know, you can like it or not. You can you can love me or hate me. The fact is, yes, children should be allowed freedom of expression within the boundaries of the rules that we have set for them because they are children. When we teach children that it's okay to defy authority and break the rules, that's where all this bad stuff that we we worry about comes from. That's where bullying comes from. That's where disrespect comes from. That's where mouthiness comes from. That's where rebellion comes from. Because we give them permission at five years old and call it freedom of expression to defy authority and break the rules of the other part of our team, which is the school. Folks, man up, be a parent. If they broke the rules, sit your kid down and say, you know what, buddy? I didn't pay attention to the rules. I led you in the wrong direction. We have to fix this. It's the school's rules. Don't sit there and say, oh, well, they didn't allow you to do what you wanted to do, and that's mean, and I'm sorry. You know what? Problems are going to get bigger the weaker we get. And the more that we disrespect each other, the more we're going to model it for our kids, and the bigger that problem's going to get. So I'm going to jump off my soapbox now. But I had to get that off my chest because for some reason people think that because I want to discover the unique brilliance in my children, that means I'm going to let them run wild and crazy and do everything wrong and and back them up on it. No, that's not me. That's not what I stand for. If that's what you think and that's what you want to pull me, call me out for, don't come on my page because that's not what I stand for. I stand for being a parent and standing up for the unique brilliance in our children. That does not mean raising our children to be jerks and defy authority. So... With that being said, I'm going to come down off my soapbox and I'm going to introduce my awesome, awesome guest today, Adrian Bajista. Hey, Adrian, how are you? Hi, I'm fine. <laughs> Here, you, you, you don't have strong opinions on much, do you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, here's the thing though that I find really funny, Adrian, is I believe that I'm really just trying to keep it easier. You know what I mean? Like, I think we complicate stuff when we try to when we try to bring grown up beliefs into our children's forming little minds. I I think we complicate it. I understand what you're saying. And I mean, from my perspective um, and probably part of your perspective as well, in terms of school and behavior and rules, there are just such bigger fish to fry. (laughs) And uh, then haircuts and dress code and, and things like that. Um, those, to me, seem like, as in, from the parent perspective, pretty easy things to 
uh, enforced in your home. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not about yeah. it because it has, doesn't have much to do. From my perspective, um, as a child, as a mother of a child who had a, a very hard time in school um, conforming to um, things like behavior. Well, let me, I feel like I'm babbling right here, but there's some simple things as parents that are easy to enforce that schools want your child to do, such as, you know, not be a distraction in the way they look. So you can control that as a parent and, and, Mm -hmm. and schools can help, can set up rules that are easy to follow. But then there's bigger things that are much, much harder, things like how to help children who have severe learning disabilities how to help children whose behavior does not conform. These are things I wish that the press would publicize more, is the difficulty in that. Not some kid who had a mohawk and, you know, got sent home to have a better haircut. I don't know. It just, to me, it's so trivial. (laughs) It is trivial. And you know what? I think in a convoluted kind of way, we absolutely agree with each other. (laughs) And what I mean by that is it didn't have that hard. Mom could have taken him home and washed his head and sent him back to school, and it didn't even have to hit the the front page. Right. You know what I mean? And, I do you know, know what you mean. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't understand why we're making big deals out of little things when they're things that should be made big deals out of going on. But that, right. That's what I'm saying is that... Yeah, I I totally get it. And, and, you know, I, a a lot of what I got and you will totally be able to relate to this. A lot of what I got in response was how dare you as the mother of a child who would not fit into the mold, how dare you not, not back up this kid's freedom of expression. And I'm like, you know what? It's a totally different thing. It is. It is because a child with special needs or neurobehavioral disability, it's, this is not, they're not, um, not conforming because of freedom of expression. They're not (laughs) not conforming because their brains are not capable of doing that at the, at that moment, or they need more support to do that. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a comparison at all. And also, I mean, I firmly believe as a mother of a child who really, really has, has a lot of difficulty in many situations, not all situations, but many situations conforming to that, that, you know, uh, round hole or box or whatever you want to call a school or just basic, uh, basic life. By me saying he has trouble and he needs help is not me saying he shouldn't have to do it. It's not me saying my child, um, needs to have different rules. It's my child needs to have help to to hit that, right? And we all are going to need to provide help to them. Not that it needs to be so different, mm-hmm. um, especially when, I mean, I don't know. I, to me, this is just really, but, you know, I mean, if you want to, if you want to have a mohawk and um, have funny colored hair or whatever, and you're five, then maybe you could do that on a weekend. Exactly. Do it over spring break. And then, you know, let them know, dude. Okay. We're going to, it's my girlfriend. I was just talking about it. Her daughter wants red highlights. The first day of summer vacation, you can absolutely get those hot red highlights. And we're going to make sure that they're washed out of your hair before school starts in the fall. You know, 
It's it, yeah. there are times and ways to express yourself that don't have to be total rebellion and going against the rules. Because I believe that when kids see us fighting one another, they they spot weakness, they feel it, they feel insecure, and they know how to use it to pit us against each other to get what they want. So. <laughs> So, I, you know, the more we can kind of work as a team, and you talk about that in your blog, which we're going to talk about when we come back after this break, that we're going to take in a few seconds. But the more we can work together as a team to support each other and back each other up, the more successful we're all going to be in the long run, including our kids. So when we come back, Adrian, I'm really excited to talk to you about that 25 Things blog that you wrote um, last week. Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. To start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She's a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. The Woohoo Radio Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse, involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education and encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment. Join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am excited to be joined by Adrian Bashista today. And um, Adrian has two blogs. Are, I guess there are two blogs, right, Adrian? Easy to love yeah. but hard to raise. That's your blog. And a mom's mm-hmm. view of ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a mom's view with ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> So I totally get where you're coming from there, but it's, uh, and you're also a parent advocate, which I love, you know, we're, we're in that one together. It's, it's an amazing, it's a it's an amazing career path that I never thought I would be on. I, I found that a lot of parents see me as a bouncer until they get to know me. And then they realize that I'm really there to kind of um, solidify their team so that they can get stuff done for their kid. Is that, has that been your experience? What do you mean by a bouncer? I don't understand. I'm sorry. I, I have, uh, maybe it's where, I'm, where I live, but a lot of people that hire me as an advocate, when they first come to me, they're like, you know, I need somebody who's going to go in there and tell them that they have to do this and they have to do that. And, and I want somebody who's going to go in there and take charge. And uh, a lot of the parents that I work with are scared to death of IEP meetings because they're intimidated and they don't know what they're allowed to request and what they're allowed to say and what they're allowed to do. And that manifests itself as a very strong defense mechanism. Right. I understand that. You know, Tara, I don't actually work as a advocate in IEP meetings. Okay. So tell me what you do. <laughs> so uh, I'm, so I'm I totally writer. just started a new career path for you if you're interested. <laughs> I know. Actually, well, I, I can talk a little bit about that because I, I, I did work in schools for 15 years. Mm-hmm. I was a, an English teacher and a school librarian for a long time. Um, I, what I do now is I'm a writer. And I, uh, I, I co-edited a book with um, Kay Marner called Easy to Love It But Hard to Raise. And um, I do run these two blogs, and I do run the Facebook pages. Um, and when I call myself a parent advocate, what I mean is I advocate for, um, for parents, but not in, not in the same kind of structured way that you do, just more kind of like I write about it. And I, I feel like I have a support role. I also am a, um, a trainer and educator for FASD, which is fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, which my younger son has. So um, when I say, and I know that maybe is a little misleading, but I, I don't go to IEP meetings. I have been asked to do that. Um, I'm not comfortable with it because in our own situation, uh, with our local public schools, um, we were extremely burned in the process. And our personal answer to to uh, our struggle was to uh, drop out, basically. <laughs> wow. I, my, my kids are homeschooled, um, mm-hmm. and we may go back to um, school, traditional school, or, or not to traditional school in the future, but we're not going to be going through our local public schools. Um because of what happened. But I totally understand what you're saying about that defensiveness. And I see that all the time on our Easy to Love page, um, on, on the Facebook page, on a mom's view of ADHD. The whole idea of an IEP and, and, uh, and you know, what, what, 
what they'll do, what they won't do, will they listen to me, won't they, what are my rights, etc., is really confusing to people. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I mean, I don't need to talk too much about our own experience, but basically I was working in, in the same school system my, my kids were in school, in, and um, I went into the, the process to get an IEP for my younger son who, um, who has fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, who has about 15 other diagnoses, who has confirmed learning disabilities, borderline intelligence, scores below 5th percentile on every single standardized test. I had all the material. I went in trusting that the people I worked with were going to be really above board with me and it did not go down like that. It was, it was actually extremely disheartening. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had to make a choice at that point, which was to keep going and pursuing it or to think of something else. And we decided to think of something else because I think I, think I was just completely disillusioned. And I, I actually ended up quitting my job um, wow. because of that, too. And, I, I mean, but so we had a really bad experience, but all school systems are different, right? Sure, and just like all kids are. With, exactly, and all our experience with individual teachers and individual administrators was very different than our experience um, in that that particular process. Um, wow. Anyway, that sucks yeah, that so that I'm happened sorry to, to kind of go ahead. That sucks that that happened to you. It does suck. It does suck. It did suck. But you know what? I've learned a lot through um, through homeschooling and my whole view on uh, what is school and what is learning has really changed and actually has made us, made us, um, our, our son, our younger son, the one with um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, he has some very specific learning needs. And the more I get to know him through being with him so much and homeschooling him, the less I actually think that traditional school could even come close to meeting that, if that makes sense. Like he just, he just really, yeah. is really outside the box. So... Sure. Anyway, not to change the tone of the of the show, but that's that's um, that's our particular situation. Um, but I did work in schools for a long time, you know, and I, I worked with some amazing, wonderful professionals um, who do great things every day. So, sure, I'm certainly not anti-school. I'm just kind of we had to we had to really adjust our whole situation. Wouldn't it be one. cool? Wouldn't it be awesome because you you have a very similar experience in in the way what I mean by that is um, I work with a lot of parents who have chosen to homeschool as well yeah. as a result of and you have your your situation is very similar to a lot of people that I've spoken to where they discover that their child has a specific style of learning mm-hmm. and wouldn't it be amazing if the schools could actually drop this whole no child left behind crap because I think it's the worst thing ever and realize and start to teach based on a model of different learning styles. Oh yeah, it would be, it would be completely amazing. And actually we, um, I mean, there are some opportunities like that for people now. Um, I, um, and we locally, I live in central North Carolina and there is a, a Montessori school, a charter Montessori school opening up. And if they're able to stick to 
kind of the Montessori principles, I think that they might be a really good resource. I mean, there, there's, there's more opportunity, even though No Child Left Behind, yes, I totally agree with you. Very disastrous. And my, my older son, actually, who is who has no special needs at all, in fact, is very gifted, he also was a victim of No Child Left Behind in school <laughs> because he was so bored. He, yep. So he was in this cohort of kids, and he's not a genius, okay? He's just a smart guy. So he was in this cohort of kids who all, you know, scored really well on their end-of-grade tests, so they were kind of clumped together as they traveled through the day. This is in middle school. And the answer to these kids who already scored well on the test was not like, okay, they already scored well on the test, so we obviously don't need to do more test prep. Like, let's do some interesting creative things that, you know, <laughs> focus on thinking skills, critical thinking, stuff like that. No, the answer was, we, they score so well, we want to keep scoring them so well. So we're going to do <laughs> even more test prep. So he exactly. was so, I mean, he was so, so bored. And I, again, this was this particular school. I'm not saying all schools are like that. I think a lot of teachers and schools and school systems have come up with some really creative solutions <laughs> to this kind of thing. But um, where I live, I just, I just really didn't, um, didn't see that. So when he asked, so we had we had pulled his brother out of school the year before, and when he asked to homeschool, you know, at first I was like, "Are you kidding me? You do so well in school." He was that kid who every grade report um, the teachers would say a pleasure to have in class. You know, I mean, mm. I had these reports, and I was like, "Oh, wonderful! So so easy, love it." But then he asked to come out, and um, once he started explaining to me the situation, and also. The evidence of this too was that he every day in school he read a whole novel, um, which wow. was uh, amazing. Because uh, I'm glad that as a preteen boy he chose to spend his free time reading books instead of you know other stuff they think of to do. But at the same time, I was like, you have enough time in the day to read a whole book? Yeah. You know? So anyway, we pulled him too. So um, that's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, it would be it would be great, but I do think that that in in there are options for more options now with um, charters and with really homeschooling is is uh, is can be very time consuming, but it doesn't have to be time consuming too. So there are a lot of a lot more options now for kids than like when I was in school, you know, yeah. twenty five. How old am I? You know, ancient history, thirty years ago. So. Um, uh, that, it's that's, amazing. that's the great thing is that we can, if you let yourself think out for the box, you, you can go outside the box a little bit. And that's what I would, I would love to do that. Unfortunately, my kids are like way smarter than me. <laughs> uh-huh. So, you know, like in sixth grade, my son would be blowing me out of the water with math. I'd be like, you know what, bud? So I do everything in my power to try to keep him in school. <laughs> but uh, when no, we come I- back from this next break, we're going to be talking about some of the biggest stressors on parents with with special needs kids, and what are invisible special needs. So I'm really curious to find out your take on that when we come right back.
Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. To start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. The Woohoo Radio Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse, involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education and encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment. Join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am interviewing and talking with Adrian Bashista today, who is the um, publisher and monitor of Easy to Love but Hard to Raise, which is a book as well as a Facebook page. And I got to tell you, some of the stuff that is on your Facebook page, Adrian, is so funny. I mean, like some of the questions that I read, I go, oh, my God, how did you get that information about my life? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's so crazy. But well, a lot of... What... Go ahead. Go ahead. Nope, well, you go. You're the guest. Is... Okay. Well, that, that's what... I mean, you hit upon something really important, which is that when Kay Marner, who's the co-editor, and I decided to put the book together, Easy Love It, Hard to Raise, we weren't really sure what we would get. You know, we put a call out for 
contributions. And, I mean, Kay and I knew our own experiences as parents of children with um, neurobehavioral slash invisible. I mean, you can call it all sorts of stuff. But, you know, this kind of special need um, kid who, who um, their special need manifests itself behaviorally. Um, we knew our own experience, but we weren't really sure how universal it was. And so when we put the call out and the essays came in, that was what was crazy, is everybody who submitted something, we were like, wow, that's me, that's me, that's me, or that was me last year, or gosh, I hope that's me in two years, you know, for kind of some of the more evolved people. (laughs) Um, And that really became the message of the book is that, you, you might feel really isolated because that's a really common experience. You might feel isolated because you don't have a lot of support. You know, your your friends, even your family don't really get it because they don't live with that child. Um, you might even have people living with you who don't really get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that there are other people out there in the exact same situation as you. They don't have, their kids don't have to have the same diagnosis. You know, your living situation might be really different. Everyone might be in a different stage, but the emotions of it are just universal. Um, kind of that, that balance between uh, bewilderment, anger, grief, and then overwhelming love for your child and the, the idea that you'll do anything for them if you only knew what it was you were supposed to be doing. You know, exactly. so kind of a mix of all that stuff. It's so true. It's so true. It's, you know, and I, a lot of the parents that I talk to, you know, they talk, it's like their language is either completely defeated or completely upbeat. And I love that when we bring those two worlds together, it creates this kind of balance. Like, you know what, there's this thing called good days and bad days. (laughs) And if we learn how to really embrace the good days and pull from that energy, the bad days aren't so bad, you know, and I it's and the community that you've created, you know, we have something similar at Stop Raising Einstein, you know, it's that sense of community where people can come and talk about their crap that seems like to a neurotypical parent, you know, what I'm talking about. That's like completely off the wall. They, you know, that's where you get the, well, I would never tolerate that. Or, you know, that's a matter of discipline, you know, but when you get this community that you can like just totally air all this dirty laundry and all this stuff that's going on and have people come back and go, oh my gosh, that happened to me last week. (laughs) You're like, okay, I'm not that messed up. Right. Where other parents would say, how, how can you say that about your child? Exactly. <laughs> when it's like, if, on, on our page, it's like, well, what do you mean? Of course not. I mean, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, if I tried yeah. to, if I expected my child to be perfect, I'd be letting us both down every single day. Right. <laughs> you know? So I embrace the differences in them, and I embrace the quirkiness, and I embrace the, you know, the stimming and whatever it is that my kid does. Uh, that's my kid, you know? I right. love that my kid has to twirl a glass around his head three times before he drinks out of it. I think that's funny. You know, mm-hmm. other people look at him and go, that's weird. Why don't you make him stop? Mm-hmm. Because that's right. his thing. <laughs> right. So, you know, you talk about invisible special needs, and I think that we've touched on it a little bit, but t- 
tell us from your, like, what's your story about that? Okay, so invisible special needs um, are basically um, uh, brain differences. So just because the brain, um, for whatever reason, I mean, this can be a, a mental health problem. It can be brain chemistry. It can be like my son. Um, he has brain damage caused by alcohol exposure um, in the womb. Um, it could be genetic. Uh, you know, there's any number of causes for um, the, these alphabet soup labels. But basically, the child, uh, if you were to look at the child, maybe at rest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in action is kind of different. But if you were to look at that child at rest or if the child was, was having a moment where they were able to concentrate or communicate with people, you would think um, that, you know, you would just glance and you would think that's a perfectly normal-looking child. But then but then that child, um, because of their brain differences, um, they have uh, behavioral issues. And, you know, depending on the child, of course, some of these behaviors are uh, more extreme, and some of them are less extreme, and um, so that's what that's what we mean by invisible special needs. Is it's not, you know, it's a physical disability because it it takes place in your brain, right? And your brain is part of your body, but because we don't see it, mm. there's not that automatic understanding of differences in behavior for that child, and so um, parents are often judged as somehow causing this child's behavior. So, like you, Terry, your son does this thing with the glass. Well, if you were more in control, if you were a good mom, if you would just find the right, um, you know, behavior modification chart, you could get your kid to stop that, right? right. So it's, it's somehow your fault. Meanwhile, I'm going to assume that there, you're, you have chosen your battles, and this is not a battle... <laughs> You know, I mean, there's like, like I said earlier about the kid with the mohawk, there are bigger fish to fry. So if this is the deal with your kid, you you, you choose your battles. And, yes, of course, we can influence our children's behavior in, in, in a variety of ways. Very unique to that child, of course. But, um, but even – and they're still going to manifest these behaviors when when they're not really in the right environment for them and when they're just not able to. And so that's what we mean by invisible special needs. And, I mean, you know, I can list, list a bunch of them. Um, um, ADHD, of course, is the gateway diagnosis for everyone, so I'll list that. And uh, um, oppositional defiance disorder, uh, mental health, things like OCD, um, pediatric bipolar, um, things like, you know, on the autism spectrum, autism, Asperger's, sensory processing disorder, PDD, NOS, or whatever Ugh. the new, new diagnosis <laughs> names are going to be. I'm not really hip to that, but you know what I'm saying, autism spectrum I disorder. Do. Um, and, um, and I, I'm missing like 50 million other ones too. But oh, absolutely. Just, and also depending on the child and the severity, you know, I, I, you know, people are going to say, well, my, my child's severely autistic, and you—it's not invisible. Well, yeah, I, I realize that there are, there are, there's a variety of, of uh, you know, it's a spectrum. That's why they Reading call it a spectrum, spectrum, right? Right. So some you kids, know? it is going to be more apparent. Um, um, some kids, like my son, who has um, FASD, when he was younger, it was much, much less apparent than it is now that he he's different because 
he has a pretty serious developmental delay, but when he was younger, um, it's less of a gap, right, between sure. himself and his peers. But now that he's almost 11, it's a much bigger gap. He acts like a 5-year-old and acts like 11-year-old. So you can clearly, if you hang out with him long enough, um, tell that there's a difference there. But, um, you know, he, he has uh, times in public where he behaves marvelously. And so people, I've had plenty of people say, there's nothing wrong with him. Or when he was little, I got, you know, oh, he's all boy. Mm, don't you love that one? Yeah. And then because I live in the South, you know, we get lots of suggestions for correction. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of physical punishment <laughs> suggests. I'm sure that's true all over the country. I always say it's because I'm in the South, but I think that's probably true, true everywhere. You know, oh, if you would just let me have him for an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you he'd know. kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, you can have him for an hour, and you're going to give him right back. Exactly. I wrote a I wrote a blog called ADD. You can't beat it out of them. It's true. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I understand the impulse, right? I understand the impulse, but there comes a point whether or not you know you're you're pro physical punishment or or you're you know extremely against it, or you were raised with it and you think a little bit's okay, or whatever. With these kids. Um, I, I firmly believe that if, if you do any kind of physical punishment, eventually, as a parent, you realize this, like so many other things, isn't really doing anything. And so right. who, who am I hurting here? I mean, they're getting physically hurt, and then I am being, you know, I personally am kind of feeling disgusted with myself. I mean, that, you know, that's my own personal Yeah, opinion. it's true. Yeah, it's absolutely true. If they, if, if they have... If they have a brain difference, you can't beat it out of them. I mean, I, I say this all the time. It's like, you know, depending on the severity of the child's issues, but let's say a child is sight impaired. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to make any blanket statements, but let's say, you know, your garden variety ADHD, you can compare that to a kid who really needs glasses to see the board. You can't punish a kid into seeing the board if that kid right. needs glasses, right? You can't punish a kid with ADHD to pay attention better, you right. can't. You have, to, you have to figure out how to support that kid so they can pay attention better, how to meet that child where he or she is as opposed to where you want them to be. So it's, and, it's, and it's really difficult. I mean, to go back to school, it's really difficult to do a lot of this stuff if we're stuck in very um, uh, rigid notions of what is learning, what is school, and how do I have to do that? Although, like I said earlier, I was an educator for 15 years, and I understand the challenge of teachers who have 25 kids in their class to eat all their teeth. Exactly. When we come back, we're going to talk about some ways to manage the stress in your Stay life with these special kids. Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. friends and family speak the same spiritual language as you? Are you ready to embrace the life you truly desire? Are you ready to find the courage to listen to your intuition, embrace your ancient wisdom, and live an authentic life in joy? Join Gail Carruthers, your spiritual girlfriend, Fridays at noon, Eastern Standard Time, on the Angel Radio Network, as she ignites the conversations you're longing to have. 
grab a cup of tea, tune in, and finally find the answers you're looking for and the path of happiness you seek with an hour of Dishy Talk Radio for the Spiritually Hungry with Gail Carruthers, your spiritual girlfriend, here Fridays at noon on the Angel Radio Network, changing the world by enlightening the world, one radio show at a time. Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do. In love, life, and business, she is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. We are back for the final segment of an awesome show with Adrienne Bashista, and she is uh, the... Writer, author, Facebook monitor of easy to love but hard to raise. And you also have a, a really great website, Adrian, um, easy to love com. Is that correct? Yeah. I love <laughs> like that. the URL. I lost <laughs> the URL, um, easy to love but with two T's as well, because I was worried that some creepy creep would um, purchase it <laughs> and make it into some kind of. That's brilliant. <laughs> I I wish I could have. I wish I had easy to love dot com, but um, I think there's a tourism uh, website in maybe like Virginia that purchased it, so I couldn't buy it. Star. That's all right. We like the big butt at the end. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, what an invisible special need is and how, you know, a lot of people believe, especially old school, like the older generations and stuff. I see it a lot. You know, they believe that it's a discipline problem. And here's the deal. In some cases, I have to admit, discipline does play a big role in it because, for me and a lot of the people that I work with, and I don't know if you see this a lot too, Adrian, but when we find out that our child is on the spectrum or our child is given a diagnosis like this, I find that there's a tremendous amount of guilt and shame that goes along with that. And with that guilt comes a little more slack, a little more leeway, you know, a little more coddling because they're special. And I, I've found that the stronger 
the boundaries that I set, not only for my own kids, but for my clients' kids too, the stronger the boundaries, the more confident and comfortable the kids became. But they're their tics and their quirks and their things, their fetishes, their all of those things that manifest in kids with special needs, to me it's kind of like water. Like you can you can stop it, but it's gonna flow somewhere else. Hmm. If you dam it up, it's gonna create so much pressure that eventually it's just gonna break through and then and then it's just a big mess. And if you just say, you know, oh, stop sucking on your fingers, well, then they're going to start twirling their hair. Well, stop twirling your hair. Well, then they're going to start picking their nose. It's like, you know, you can, you can get them to stop it, but their sensory needs, if their sensory needs are that strong, if their desires for feedback, motor feedback are that strong, they're going to find a way to do it. You know, so we can we can set rules like you're not allowed to curse in public, but we can't set rules like you're not allowed to have vocal outbursts because that's not possible for a child with Tourette's. You know what I mean? I, I do know what you mean. And I think that um, I think that's interesting, your water theory, um, uh, especially when it comes to things like sensory things, um, I guess in terms of parents coddling or not coddling, I, I just think it's so individual. And I think that it has to do with parenting in general, right? There are such differences, even among my friends, you know, all, all of whom have kids who are neurotypical. I mean, there's such a variety of of uh, parenting techniques and what what is a strong boundary for one person is not a boundary for another, that kind of thing. And um, mm. so it's oh, hard, yeah, hard for me to, yeah, it's hard for me to kind of make a statement like, um, one way or the other, I do kind of agree with you about that. When you get a diagnosis or you get answers for your child, there is definitely that grief period. And I, if if that diagnosis and grief results in um, laying off of your child for a while, I think a lot of times that's a response to what you now see as clearly inappropriate um, parenting or inappropriate discipline. For that mm-hmm. child, and so there probably is a time where you're kind of searching. I mean, I, I'm always trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing, and and, and this is a big <laughs> problem because there's no there's no real roadmap. You know, you can read. I mean, I swear I have read. Well, not 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 now. I'm not so current on it anymore because I gave up reading these books a couple of years ago. But until my son was about eight, I read every single book I thought applied to him to try and mm-hmm. get a handle on how to you know, quote, unquote, make him behave. I couldn't figure out. I mean, I luckily I had this older child who I've parented and who is um, very, you know, typical in every way. In fact, in fact, maybe easy. And my, my, my friends say he's, he's an easy kid compared to their teenagers. So um, luckily I had that. So I had a little bit of um, parenting self-confidence boost. But right. my younger child is so confounding. Um, you know, I tried everything, and I really, I couldn't find a roadmap, really, until I got that diagnosis, and then, even after that, we had to, to search for what was, what was a good way to do it, but, I mean, you're right, but, the, and then you have all the judgment and all the advice, well-meaning advice, well-meaning, okay, mm-hmm. people offer this advice, family, friends, even professionals, offer this advice because it has worked 
in the past for some kids. And, um, but it, you know, if it doesn't work for your kid, then it's, it's not only, not only do you feel like a failure, but you're still stuck with the behaviors, of course, that you're not especially pleased with. And you feel like you've been judged and you feel like maybe you weren't doing it right. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it could, parents in a really, really tricky situation. And, uh, it, you know, it, it helps to have, um, this is why the, the page and the blog and everything have been so helpful for me personally because um, it helps us to have people to bounce your ideas about at, off who get it, you know, who are already in that space with you and mm -hmm. who aren't going to be like, well, maybe you should quit um, giving a junior, you know, sun-kissed orange drink before bed. Do you do that? Or like I, a lot of people have said to me, my son has a really hard time falling asleep. And they said, Adrian, you should really get the TV out of his room. I said, he has no TV in his room? Are you kidding me? This is like, duh. You know, oh, or you need, a, you need a bedtime routine. I'm like, hello, yes, I know that. Let's try we did that when he was two. Like, it's not this, you know, you're giving me the simple answers to this stuff, and it's just so not simple. And so right. that's why talking to people who are in the same boat as you and they can say, I did this, it worked for me. Oh, I did this, it worked for me. Or that didn't work for me, but this worked for me. So you can kind of go through and go, hmm, mm -hmm. tried that, tried that, didn't try that, that might work kind of stuff. So to get that, you know, on right in the thick of it, in the battlefield of uh, feedback instead of kind of this intellectual stuff. Or even like, you know, when my kids were little, if they if they left the room, I'd whip them, kind of stuff. And it's like, okay. mm -hmm. well, wow. that's nice. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? It's like you know. First of all, if it, my my son hasn't slept in five years, so. <laughs> You know, when people are like, oh, well, you know, haven't you tried this? Think of something I may have not tried in five years. Right. I, exactly. I bet you it doesn't exist, you know. Right. So then we're like, oh, right. well, we're trying the dream water. Oh, my gosh, that's so bad for him. You know what? It's uh, uh, at this point, how bad can it be? You know, not sleeping right. is bad for him, too. No, and, and this, <laughs> the sleep, sleep is a very, I mean, this is a... If anyone's listening who doesn't have a kid who has trouble with sleep, please understand that this is a this is this is a whole family impact. <laughs> mm -hmm. The no sleeping or lack of sleep or whatever, because you know you know how you are when you don't get enough sleep, and add that every single night, and then add that to your kid every single night because he or she is not getting enough sleep themselves, and then. Yeah, this is this is a pretty serious. We at, right now we're in a good place to sleep, um, but it really hasn't always been the case. Um, no. And people are like, and, "Oh my gosh!" After all that time, you must find it so exhausting. I'm like, "Oh no, I gave up." He's the one who stays awake now. I sleep like a log. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten so past it. But see, that's the kind of thing that brings judgment. You know, you say stuff like right. that lightheartedly, and people go, "Oh, what a terrible mother." You know what? Seriously, it's like we said earlier, it's learning to pick your battles. And, right. you know, so I give him, he's allowed to have his Kindle, you know, in his bed. 
So if he wakes up at two o'clock in the morning and he's wide awake, he has two things he can do. He can write in his journal to get the thoughts out of his head that's going to allow him to go back to sleep, or he can read until he falls asleep. Don't come in my room. Don't wake me up. It's, you know, I understand that this is an issue you're dealing with, buddy, but, uh, you know, God love you. Right, and and that's working for you guys. That's working for you. And you've come up with an individual solution, and that's Mm -hmm. wonderful. So, you know... What else do people want? Exactly. And, you know, it's so funny. I think you you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said, you know, every parent has something that they're doing right that's working for them. And my belief is if you can focus on those things instead of lamenting over the mistakes, everybody's going to be so much happier. Because if you're doing something right, you're going to be you can do everything right. You just got to focus on the right. Right. I think that's true. I, I do think that it's important to acknowledge this, the idea of grief, especially if, like my son, um, his his uh, his most meaningful diagnosis, we only got when he was about nine and a half. And so there were many years where we, I really think we did the wrong thing. And, uh, you know, not to focus only on that, but just to feel, you know, I it is, it's, it's sad. It really is sad. I feel like, you know, you wonder what would have been different if we had known earlier. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. But, I mean, that's, you know, that's life. I think that you know, that also has to do with people's personalities is how, if they're going to ruminate or move forward. And I'm, I'm kind of a woman of action, so, you know, we have to move forward in our house. But at the same time, if you, there, there is a grief that a lot of people definitely feel and not just the grief like this isn't what I thought my life as a parent was going to be but you know gosh if I had known this earlier I could have mm-hmm. I could have changed things but you know we have to move on yeah. and live with it and grow and from I it, think really. I think that because I have a neurotypical son too who is everybody says is the greatest kid in the world and I think that our our special kids are a gift to us and they teach us to be better people and i think that's why we have the the other gifts that we have in life so thank you so much adrian for being on my guest today and join us next week on stop raising einstein until then keep playing make these stop raising einstein principles your own love unconditionally give freely laugh openly learn daily grow immensely and of course listen to the 